Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Last one of the Spirit-Filled Culture Sermon Series, we have been going through looking at what does a Spirit-Filled Culture look like? What does it mean in reality for a church to be Spirit-Filled? And we talked about fruit, right? Character. Those elements of the fruit of the Spirit being manifest in our lives, right? Like you can try and willpower yourself to more patience, but then it's not going to work well for you. Right, Which is why people are like, I don't want to pray for patience. It's because you're trying to do it in your own strength. It's a gift of the Spirit. Come on. like, How about you just let the Spirit grow you in patience? Because He's perfectly good at it. You're not, clearly. Right? You know, like, we're not good at it. Right? But He is. He's really good. So a Spirit-filled culture is going to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. A spirit-filled culture will be filled with the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, which Dennis did a great job talking about miracle and healing and prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. There are these things, these aspects of the Christian faith, of the Christian walk that are supposed to be active in our lives today. They did not go away when a book got published. That's not biblical. That's not even a concept in Scripture. we got to pull that thing out of thin air because it makes us feel good. It's not there. But let me tell you what is. Until Jesus comes back, we need spiritual gifts. And there are gifts by the Holy Spirit. They are not of your awesomeness. Right? I don't get to have more gifting because I'm more cool or I'm more, oh, I just just did a lot of work to get that gift of tongues. I just did a lot of work. I worked my tail off to get my words of knowledge. They're gifts of the Holy Spirit. You do not earn them. They are gifts. They're gifts. And God gives gifts without reproach. He doesn't hold his gifts back to anybody. Hence, why we have psychics. Hence, why there are seers in the demonic realm. This is how witchcraft works. is Because there are people who have been given supernatural giftings, but they're, author, they're, they're authored from God, but they're under the authority of the devil instead of under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Do not be surprised at a magician. Do not be surprised at the witchcraft. Do not be surprised by it. God has given all of us the ability to do things that are supernatural. Every single one of you can do something supernatural, something that you can't do on your own. And if we're going to be a culture of spirit-filled people, there better be some crazy stuff going on around here. You guys all right? If I feel like preaching today, I don't know what it is. But I feel like my, my, my head is just kind of like, I'm, I'm turning red right now. This is not, I'm early. This is too early to be turning red. <laughs> I love you, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, he's got my back. He's like, he's going to get fired today. Let's go. I love it. He's got his red shirt on too. What? Oh, come on. Somebody better go get me a sweat rag. Woo. 
Come on, we whip it out. All right. The other thing that that Annalie did a great job preaching on is unity. Unity is a marker of a spirit-filled culture. We don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to agree on everything. And, and uh, one of the phrases is Annalie, Annalie's in, in training to be a minister. And so we go over her sermons over and over and over. And we just work on them. And, and she had a phrase, agree to disagree. And I'm like, no, no, no. We don't dismiss. We don't dismiss a disagreement. We actually come into unity over the disagreement. Right? We don't just agree to disagree, like, I'm going to be over here and you be over there. We're going to be okay. No, that's not unity. It's not unity. Unity is actually when we say, you know what, brother, I'm going to lock arms with you. And the fact that maybe we don't see this thing eye to eye, we're both submitted to the same king. Amen? We're both submitted to the Holy Spirit. We can have unity and have differences. If you aren't willing to embrace the differences in the body of Christ, then everybody's going to try and be afoot. Everybody's going to try to be the eye, right? And, and if you're unhealthy, if you're filled with pride about your role in the body, if you're filled with pride about your theological doctrinal stance on some issue, if you're filled with pride, now, now you should have theological doctrinal stances. We do, okay? That's healthy. But if you're filled with pride, then what ends up happening is that you will make judgments based on your stance. You'll begin to judge the motive in the heart of somebody instead of just allowing there to be a disagreement and believing the best in them. Instead of saying, yeah, you know, Mike and I don't always do all the things the same way. We, we see some things differently, but man, I love her and I'm going to come into agreement with her. Amen. Amen. So unity is a mark of a spiritual culture. And, you know, one of the words that she talked about a lot in that message was submission. Submission is required if you're going to be in unity. Who do we submit to? The Father. Who do we submit to? Jesus. Who do we submit to? The Holy Spirit. How does that, how does that work out in a large community? We actually trust our leaders. We trust that maybe they know something I don't. Maybe they're seeing something that I can't see. Are you curious? One thing that I know is that people that really struggle with submitting aren't curious about what I see. They don't want to know because they're more concerned about themselves than they are what God's trying to do in a situation. Hey, oh, isn't this fun? This is so good. You guys, I felt it. You guys were like, oh, he speaks words of life to me in this moment. Uh, he's, he's, he's pulling me into the submission. Listen, God's going to deal with your hearts. It's all good. But the real, this is part of the reality of being in the body of Christ is that we actually have to be curious. God, what are you doing? Instead of making judgments because a leader's being controlling because he wouldn't let me do the thing. Well, you don't know all the pieces that are, that are in, a, in a thing. <laughs> like, give, give room for the Holy Spirit to know more than you. We have to give room for it and be curious. Well, okay, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? Right? And you know what's beautiful? I love this. I love when I'm like, 
I like will be like, hey, that's not for now. Like we need to we need to move in a different direction, and that's not like. And people will honor that, they'll respect that. And I know that I've got a pure-hearted person when they come up and like, hey, I didn't understand what was going on there. Can you explain it to me? I'm like, oh man, I love that. That gets me so excited because they're not there to just be like, he's mean to me. It's like, no, we need to discover what God is saying. And you guys, I don't see everything, which is why I've got a pastor's council. I got people around me who can see me clearly. And they don't, they can call me out on stuff. They do call me out on stuff. And let me just tell you, it's unity because guess what? I get to submit. I have mentors and leaders in my life that I actively submit to. This is not some king on a hill commanding the, the armies, army, armies, the armies. We have one commander in this church, and his name's Jesus. So we all get to hear the same voice of the Holy Spirit, amen? So when there's disagreement, we actually need to become curious instead of judgmental. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, okay. So that was a great introduction. Spirit-filled culture series. Now today we're talking about deliverance. Because deliverance is one of the key markers of a spirit-filled culture. When you have people who are under the authority of Jesus, demons flee. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your sozo power, your saved, saving, healing, and delivering power. We thank you, God, that today, every arena that has blocked us from breakthrough has to be removed in Jesus' name. I thank you that as we teach, the scriptures about your work in the life of the believer that people today will be set free by hearing your good word. Father, I thank you that everyone here, their spirits are alive to hear your voice in my voice. I thank you, God, that today is not about me declaring my own words, but God, only let the words that you speak come forth today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. All right, Mark chapter 16. Uh, we're going to read uh, the Great Commission, which Annalie brought up a couple times today. Uh, let's read the Great Commission in Mark 16. If you have an ESV version and there's some other versions, it might be cut out of there, okay? Um, there has been some historical um, question marks about which part of what is you know, like, wow, we've got older manuscripts that maybe don't have it. So is it really part of, well, this is part of actually the New Testament canon. This, this portion of scripture was in the canon. It's this later, it's the later, you know, how many of you know the further away you get some, from something, the cloudier and the, the, the harder it is to see it. So, but, but for some reason, over time, people have said, well, we don't think that it was actually part of the original. This, this one section here, along with a couple other sections, right? There's a section in Isaiah, and we take it from some of the things from Dead Sea Scrolls, different things, and, and lots of, lots of um, historical evidentiary work has gone into trying to discern what's in the Scriptures and what's not in the Scriptures. Um, I also think that there's, can I say it? 
I think that the devil wants to neuter the church by removing scripture. There, I said it. Okay, Mark 16, 15 through 18. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In order to see the spirit-filled culture release the saving, sozo, save, healed, and delivered power of God, we have to believe. It requires faith. The word faith here is pisteos. It's from the root word pistis, um, which is the, the word used for believe in 1616. The word means having an utter confidence. This is not knowing about a thing. It's actually knowing a thing. It's like I can know about miniature Australian shepherds, but I've got Rocket, who's our dog, who's a rocket. And his little rear end wiggles like a rocket. You know, he gets excited and oh, he's giddy. I know, I know a miniature Australian shepherd. I know. I, I, there's a, a belief that I have because I actually have experientially known my dog. So do you know God? Because the belief isn't about a mental ascent. This is an actual knowing of God. This type of belief is not mental assent. It is not because I understood what the words meant. I have an utter confidence. And I, I, it's really interesting because the opposite of the word which they use here, right? Instead of um, uh, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, then it says he who does not believe. Well, that's actually one word. Does not believe is actually one word in the Greek. And it actually, he who disbelieves is how it's written, right? And the dis is always the removal of something, right? So a disbelief is the removal of belief. And let me, let me tell you this. It can mean not believe at all but it actually is more used in the reference of a betrayed trust. Woo. We put our trust in Christ alone. We believe wholly in him. As we come to know him, we become a son. We become adopted and connect with the loving father. Turning from God becomes unfathomable. Unfathomable. Like what? How? Why? Right? And we know that, that Romans 1 um, talks about the kind of the slide that, that a conscience that's seared because we sin and we don't confess, we don't deal with it, shame sets in, guilt sets in, and then we move further and further and further away from God and our hearts become hardened to the gospel. Our hearts become hardened to God. How many of you have ever been there? I have been there. I have been there where I knew the truth, but man, my heart was so far away from God, I wanted nothing to do with him, right? And the Holy Spirit's faithful. He just kept knocking, just kept coming for me, hallelujah. 
right? So it requires faith and utter confidence, right? He who believes, he who has an utter confidence in God and is baptized, we'll talk about that in a moment, will be saved. So he talks about belief, faith, and then he talks about baptism, right? It requires baptism. This is not, this is not something, this is not a commandment from Jesus that you just set to the side. Now, can you be saved without being baptized? Somebody say yes. Okay, good. But what does the word baptized here mean? It's the word baptizo. Which means to dip repeatedly. It's not a one-time dip. It's dip over and over and over and over. It's to immerse. It's to submerge. It's to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water, to wash oneself, to bathe, or to overwhelm something. Can I just tell you that it requires this utter confidence in God, but then you must be immersed in Christ. Dip me again, Lord. You must be overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Just saying. Let me, let me read to you the clearest example that shows the meaning of baptizo. And this is a text from a Greek poet and physician named Nikander. He lived about 200 BC. And this is a recipe for making pickles. And it is helpful because it uses both words, right? Nikander says that in order to make a pickle, because there's two words for baptize. There's the bapto and the baptizo, Right? So, Nicander says that in order to make a pickle, the vegetable should first be dipped or baptoed into boiling water and then baptizoed in the vinegar solution. Both verbs concern the immersing of vegetables in a solution, but the first is temporary. The second, the act of baptizing the vegetable, produces a permanent change. Come on, somebody say permanent change. Woo! When used in the New Testament, this word more often refers to our union and identification with Christ than to our water baptism. In Mark 16, 16, he that believes and is baptized is immersed, is submerged, is transformed into a new thing. You can't unpickle a pickle. You can't unpickle a pickle. Have you been immersed? Good question. Good question. So we need faith in baptism. And later, of course, we see Jesus give even more clarity to this statement when he's talking about the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, it says, In being assembled together with them, after he rose from the dead, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water. He immersed you in water, submerged in water. You got dipped in water. But you shall be baptized, baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The Holy Spirit 
comes on us, and we are immersed in the Holy Spirit. Submerged, perhaps even overwhelmed. Has anyone ever been overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit? Come on. I have been overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. Come on. There was no carpet when I started in this church. But the Holy Spirit showed up a couple times, and we said, we need to put some carpet up there because I heard a head knock on that carpet. I heard a head hit it. I didn't like that sound. I'm like, come on, at least a little bit of carpet pad, please, Jesus. What? Because, listen, the Holy Spirit will overwhelm you. And the early church sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit over and over and over. It was not a one-time thing. Paul encouraged us not to be drunk with wine, which is this dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And the word fill is, in a, is it's a continual filling. Continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit overwhelm you. What's beautiful about this is that, listen, I've got this settled thing in my soul because I know the king. I might make a mistake, but I know the king. I might not understand, but I know the king. I have faith in God. You cannot convince me otherwise. I am convinced not only that there is a God, but I know him. Not only that there is a God, but he knows me. Me and God get to have conversations that only him and I get to have. No one else. No one else. It's me and Jesus. He's given me thrones from the scrolls, from the throne. I, that's me and Jesus. I get those. Those praise God. Those are for me. But I need to be overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit daily. I need to be immersed in the Holy Spirit moment by moment. Jesus giving this command in Mark 16 begins to say, listen, this is what it's going to look like for those who have that faith. This is what it's going to look like if you believe and are immersed in me. Maybe sometimes it doesn't look that way because we're not immersing ourselves. Maybe we need to be immersed to see the miracle. Because this is the fruit of what he says will happen. He says, these signs will follow those who believe. Okay, I'm going to say it again. These signs will follow those who believe. If you believe, if you know that you know that you know, these signs will follow those who believe. And Jesus says, in order for you, right, to, you need to be believing me and be immersed in me in order to go win the world around you. And as you go to make disciples of the nations, as you go to declare the good news to every creature, these signs are going to follow you. 
You will cast out demons. You will speak with new tongues. You will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I'm going to tell you something this morning. God is looking for those that will dive into him. He's looking for those that want to be immersed in him. Those who will be unrelenting in the crucifixion of the flesh. See, Romans 8, 13 and 14 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, not by your works, if by the Spirit, not by you tried harder, if by the Spirit, well, I just, I just got a filter on my phone to prevent me from looking at things I shouldn't. Good. Great. Be smart. Be wise. Your efforts are not going to win the battle. If by the Spirit, if you are out doing that in operation in agreement with the Spirit, that will work. It will work. When the Spirit equips you to overcome something, it works. Come on now. Sometimes we keep running around the mountain singing the kids' song. Yeehaw! Right? So there's this place where, where so often we are going around the mountain because we are trying to do it in the flesh and not by the Spirit. Our heart wants freedom but we're not giving the Spirit freedom to set us free. So listen to this. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You are a son of God. You should be led by the Spirit. If you are led by the Spirit, you will crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. If you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer going to continue to hide your sin. I'm going to say it again. You're going to no longer continue to hide your sin. You're going to no longer continue to put that little pet sin that you've been hanging on to in your back pocket and carry it around. Just hoping nobody checks that thing. You want freedom, you'll confess your sin. 1 John 1, 9 says, If you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you of all sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You get to get cleansing because of confession. Listen, you want to put to death the deeds of the flesh? Start with confession. The next thing that you're going to want to do is confess, and then you repent. Right? Repentance says, God, not my way, your way. I'm going to come out of agreement with a lie that that actually was satisfying to me. I'm going to come out of agreement with a lie that that was something that I should do. God, you didn't want me to do that, and I shouldn't do that. I'm going to come out of agreement with the lie that that was wisdom. I'm going to come out of agreement with the lie that that, that was going to meet my need when only you, Lord, only you get to meet my need. We come out of agreement with the lie. That is repentance. And then once we come out of agreement with the lie, we repent, right? We confess it. Find our brokenness. Find that place where your sin is hanging out. Confess it. Find somebody you trust, right? Hopefully they don't have the recorder out on their phone, right? And hopefully hopefully they're not like, hang on, I'm putting this on Twitter. Find people that you trust. Confess. Repent. 
and then receive. Sometimes we, we, we give it to the Lord. We say, okay, God, I, I repent. I give it to you. I give it to you. And then we pick it back up again and we keep running with it. Why? Because we never let God put something new in our hands. We have to let him breathe life into us and give us a new identity and a new hope. In that place of despair, he will give you hope. In that place of brokenness, he will heal. I love that a little later on in Romans 8 and verse 37, 38 and 39, it says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me, separate us from the life. I've quoted this so many times with my name in it. I can't even like, so separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me, I, I, I want to encourage you today because we are being called into being immersed in God for the sake of casting out all Fear. Fear is keeping us in bondage and it has to go. It is a demonic oppression on the church and it has to go. We fear what people think about us. <laughs> uh, we need to do everything in balance, please. Balance. Everything needs to be balanced, okay? It needs to be balanced. So... Whenever, uh, you know, if we, have, uh, if we have worship go too long, it needs to be balanced. So we need to make sure that, you know, it's really, it's really balanced with a really good message. No, maybe we just have worship. It needs to be balanced. You can't have, what, what did we call it yesterday at our training? Sometimes you go from charismatic to crazy-matic. And sometimes things get crazy-matic. There's no scripture that says that in, under the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be balanced. It's not there. It's not there. Now we do things decently and in order, which means that our hearts are submitted to the Father. Right? Because sometimes my flesh wants to act stupid when it's amped up and I'm, I'm in a place, I've seen it happen, where people are like, like God's moving, and some people are just responding to atmosphere instead of the Holy Spirit. Right? And then they like are actually like demonically manifesting, trying to ruin the whole thing for everybody. Right? I love I love that God puts some people in authority that can see that. Tasked Kevin and Micah to be on guard for crazy maddocks. Right? They're leaders. They're on our leadership. They've been given authority to do that. I've watched people do stuff that's really starting to get out of line. I just go, nope, you got to stop in Jesus' name. Boop, they go sit down. Why? Well, because God operates on, with authority, and he gives us authority, and we can say what gets to happen and what doesn't get to happen in this place. You guys get that decent in order is according to the person who's leading that. The one that God gave authority to gets to say who's... What is decent and in order? 
Are we okay with that? Okay, great. If you have questions about that and how I arrived there, I'm happy to have that conversation with you because it's, it's usually one of those things like we can't do anything that's a little weird or out of ordinary because it's not decent, it's not in order. But Paul said, don't ever forbid the speaking in tongues in a church, right? Like he actually gave boundaries on the boundaries. All right. We're going to deal with fear. I love this word because he says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. And the word saved there is the word sozo, which means to save, to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction. It means to deliver somebody from injury or peril. It's to save somebody who is suffering from perishing. It's to save somebody who's suffering from disease. It's to help make them well. It's to heal and restore to health. I'm just reading the definition from Thayer's Greek lexicon. To save in the technical biblical sense, right, of salvation of a soul, and to deliver from the penalties of the messianic judgment, to save from the evils which obstruct the reception of the messianic deliverance. Oh, oh, sozo, to save from the evils, evils which obstruct the reception of the messianic deliverance. Do you remember how I was just saying, hey, you got to receive. Go ahead, repent, give it to God, but then you have to receive. The devil doesn't want you receiving anything from God. He is trying to find every way possible to keep you from receiving from God. Anything. He'll use anything. Anything. Now, I love that the blood of Jesus fully covers me. And so when I'm cleansed and I'm perfectly made pure by the blood, right? Alex goes, fear not. Amen. And yet I can give place to the devil. I can actually give place to the enemy in my life and give him a priority to, yeah, you can go ahead and mess with me in this area because of either a compromise in my heart or maybe there's a wound or a trauma where I can't see clearly and something's blocking me from getting past this thing. This is why we do inner healing and deliverance ministry here at this church. This is why we spend time praying for people and, and we gather together with people and we pray. We ask the Lord to remove every hindrance that has been in their life. Most of the time, it's the way that we saw the world. Most of the time, the Holy Spirit is correcting in us a door that we open to the enemy through anxiety, fear, trauma, whatever it is. He's closing that door, and it's absolutely beautiful because the Spirit leads that whole process. We're, we're not that smart. Can I just remind you what Mark Crawford said a few weeks ago? We are the solution. We're the ones whom God has called to be agents of reconciliation. We're to be bold instruments of the Holy Spirit to bring freedom from oppression and disease. In a spirit-filled culture, you will see people not only 
come to know Jesus and get saved through the miracle of salvation by the blood of Jesus and the work of the cross, believing that Jesus died and was raised from the dead, we have this amazing opportunity for people to get completely set on a new path, on a different path than where their life was heading through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's miraculous, and it is salvation. And God says that he has given us gifts of the Spirit through which we are able to understand supernaturally what is happening in somebody's body, to understand a solution to a problem with a word of wisdom, to be able to lay hands on the sick and for them to recover, for there to be miracles done. See, we don't show up here on a Sunday for a show for the man of God to come and do miracles. Hallelujah. I don't want that pressure. It's up to the Holy Spirit to do that, not me. I'm a willing vessel. But it's actually you carrying the Holy Spirit that gets appointed to go out and do the miracles. Because when somebody's healed, ah, yeah, Jesus is real. It's amazing. So there's that. The saving dealing with sickness, but then there's the deliverance of every evil which obstructs the reception of the Father's love. Everything that obstructs the reception of what God is trying to do in their life, we get to have the ability to remove that. We get to partner with the Holy Spirit to see those strongholds broken in Jesus' mighty name. Mighty name. We are the solution. I think God is trying to reassure us believers because we know that we know. And if you don't know that you know, you will today. There's an assurance and a confidence. I I think I know pretty much everybody in here, just a couple of you that I don't know very well. But let me just tell you, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, you will be healed. He, he, he is longing to see you made right before him and the Father. He is longing for that, for his miraculous work to be done in your life. Now, he's trying to reassure us that we're the ones that happen to the world, not the other way around. We are the ones that happen to the world, not the other way around. If we are a spirit-filled culture, we are going to see God move in miraculous and powerful ways. Listen, Mark 16, he assures us, listen, you get bit by a poisonous snake, you're going to be okay. And we saw that happen to Paul, right? Like, shake it off, and they're like, he's going to die. And he's like, I'm good. I'm good. You know, pull a little Taylor Swift, shake it off, shake it off. Right? So, shakes it off. And if you drink anything deadly, it's not going to harm you. Like he's trying to reassure you, you can go boldly and you're going to be okay. You can have a bold witness and you're going to be safe. Okay. Now, activations. Will you stand with me as we kind of close out our time? You're okay. You're okay. Just, yep. This is you receive, right? Thank you for being on. I value that. Thank you. Um, 
Listen, Jesus came to give you life. Do you believe it? Jesus' death and burial has paid for the forgiveness of all of your sins. All your sins. Do you believe it? The resurrection has made a way for you to have a new life. Do you believe it? Come on. Perhaps you've given your life to Christ before or you're recommitting your life to Christ today because God is, God is speaking to you. He's speaking in you. And you are curious about this baptism, this immersion. Like maybe you need to literally be dipped in water. Maybe you've never been baptized. Um, then I ask that you come see me right away. We'll get that. We'll get you, get you in the water. Okay? We, we, we don't withhold that. You need to identify that you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, that you've been cleansed, and you need to pro publicly proclaim God's work in your heart. That's awesome. Can I, I want to encourage you to get immersed in the Word of God. Can I just tell you, get immersed in the Word of God. You want to, you want to get immersed in the Holy Spirit. You want to be immersed in Christ. Get in the written Word. The Logos, Jesus is revealed in the Logos, in the written word of God, and it develops a, a spoken word in your heart that allows faith to rise. If you want to believe, you want to be immersed. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Like, like if you want faith to believe God for miracles, then get in the word, get in the word, get in the word. It should no longer be secondary. I know some of you have been like, I grew up in church. I know the Bible backwards and forwards. Get in the Word. Such a lame excuse. I'm sorry. Get in the Word. The Word transforms your heart. And we're imperfectly being made perfect. Perhaps you're hungry for an infilling and an immersion of the Holy Spirit. You're hungry to know God and to have His love and His power work in you and through you. I'm going to begin to pray. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill every single person that desires to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to immerse you, because as a Spirit-filled culture, um, we don't just wait till Pentecost Sunday to talk about the infilling of Acts 2. We don't wait until there's some day, some moment where we think, um, think that it could be socially acceptable to speak in tongues. And I'm not worried about any of that. Let me, let me, I'm serious. I'm not worried if I offend any of you. We need to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. We need His power in our veins. We need him. We need to be desperate for a touch from the Holy Spirit. We need to be desperate to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We cannot be a people who are satisfied with just getting along with life. We cannot be okay with surviving anymore. We need power. He said, he promised Power will come upon you when the Holy Spirit comes. And if you are hungry for power, not 
to wield for your own sakes because we know the gifts are to be operating as the Spirit gives utterance from 1 Corinthians 12. It's as He moves, but can you hear His voice? Do you feel His power? If you're hungry, I want you to come forward. I'm going to, as I pray, just let the Lord lead you. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.